You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 12. Welcome, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing building and climbing the right mountain with Jen McFarland. We'll be covering surrounding yourself with excellence and leading through trust, the downfall of making decisions based solely on data, the power of a project management framework, and much, much more. Leadership is about vision. It's about creating a vision and sharing that vision with others in a way that inspires them to walk with you towards its fulfillment. Along the way, leaders encourage, motivate, guide, and even challenge people to bring their best each and every day. And it's all done through conversations. That's what the show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Jen McFarlane. Jen has over 25 years of training, teaching, and executive experience. She's led large-scale public sector projects affecting over 50,000 businesses, handling millions of dollars. And today, Jen consults with business owners on leadership, strategic project planning, and digital marketing. She also hosts a weekly podcast called Women Conquer Business. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It almost sounded like you were going to say strategic podcast planning. Oh, I like <laughs> Instead that. Of project planning, you know, and I was like, okay, I could do either. <laughs> <laughs> strategic podcast planning. I like that. We have a new, I don't know, pedigree to add to your list of already successful accomplishments that you have. So congratulations on the new job we just created for you. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Well, listen, Jenna, I, I want to know if you just start out by sharing a little bit about, about your story. I know, you know, in reading your, your biography, you have such a varied, you know, colorful experience and all the different things you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in in leadership and, and empowering business owners and, and specifically women as well? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the experience that you're talking about is that I was in the Peace Corps with my husband in Kazakhstan, and that's actually what turned me on to projects. So when I, when I was over there, I was like, Hey, wow, you know, everything we do is a project. And this is, this is a really important thing. You know, we need to have projects to, to move things forward. And when I got out, I was like, how do I do that? How do I do more of this? You know, it was all about listening and understanding what people wanted and then helping, helping it happen for people, helping to make it happen. So he was like, well, I think you should manage projects. And I was like, okay. So I did that. Um, and, but it wasn't quite as fulfilling. So I, I went to grad school and studied um, public the public sector and got a master's degree in public service in leadership and management, and then went to work on public large scale projects. And it was super fun. And I got to apply not only project management, but a lot of the leadership and management, you know, worked my way up and then realized that what I really love is that like boots on the ground, one-to-one contact with people. And when you work on these huge projects, you don't always get that. So I decided, I just started kind of helping people on the side, you know, a lot of women business owners just started helping them with stuff on the side. I was doing a lot of tech stuff, you know, because women, a lot, there were, I don't know what it's like now, but at that time there were a lot of dudes in Portland, Oregon, where I live that were kind of taking advantage of my uh, girlfriends who ran businesses thinking they didn't know anything about tech. So I was like, well, I can help you. And then I was like, wait, you want to pay me? <laughs> Well, okay. And it just kind of grew from there. And so I was kind of the um, accidental entrepreneur where I decided, well, this is a lot more fun. Um, it's a little harder with the hustle and everything, um, you know, to, to replace my salary, but it's been a lot of fun and, and I've really enjoyed it. 
if, if you don't mind me asking, so you said that there a lot of men were taking care of of the women entrepreneurs starting out like that. What, what kind of things were were happening that really draw your attention, and what we can do about this? Yeah. So I mean, and I think I, I don't. I, I just want to clarify. I mean, yeah, I have my business is Women Conquer Business. I also help men, and and I don't think that it's just men who do this. Sure. Like especially. After having been out here in the wild for a while, you know, a few years, I realized that it's everyone. But what was happening is people would go in with like maybe some simple changes they needed to their website and they would sit for months or the person would do it and it wasn't at all what they had wanted. Um, you know, no integrations. So they were having to like enter everything in everywhere, you know, just basic things that like every professional knows. But if you're not, quote, you know, a, a big enough client you know, they just don't, they weren't taking care of you as well as maybe their bigger clients. Um, and so they were frustrated. They felt like they were spending way too much money and not getting anything out of it. And I was like, oh, well, there's an easier way here, <laughs> bloop, 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 you know, and then we would just take care of stuff. And and so it just grew from there. I think that in the time since I've just discovered there are a lot of people out there who work with integrity and it's just a little more work to um, find them, you know, which is why I've written like some blog posts and stuff to kind of guide people in how to hire like a web developer or designer or things like that. It, it sounds like it wasn't just about the gender, as you're mentioning, but really just people claiming their own power and thinking through what their needs are and, and recognizing that they have power that they can use to to get their things done because if they don't that's really holding up their business absolutely and as you said projects drive everything that we do i think you remember seeing this on your website project is this a, is this a favorite phrase of yours that projects drive everything that we do yeah i mean i think the light came on for me about that and it fairly recently it's kind of embarrassing to admit it but you know it, it's like if you you know so if you want to go to the store well that's a project you know you have to make a list you have to make sure you know, that you, if you have kids, you have to have childcare or what, you know, I mean, there's, there's, it's a project, you know, anybody who, um, you know, you get ready for your day, it's a project, go to the gym, it's a project. So like, it just, it just gets exponentially bigger when you're in business and you have all these moving parts that have to come together, you know? So when people say, I don't even know how to run a project, I'm like, well, have you gotten a haircut? Did you just let them do what they wanted? <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, or did you, talk somebody through what it was that you were looking for, you know, and, and then people feel more empowered. Like they're like, Oh yeah, no, I get it. I actually have done something that, that is a project. And so that's one of the reasons where it, it came from there is just sort of this idea that it doesn't matter. And in fact, if you go to like the project management Institute, they actually count things like house projects and things like that toward getting accredited if you wanted to be a professional project manager. So why wouldn't it work for business owners too? That's awesome. I love how the the project lens right now is your your view for everything. Like you know, getting your haircut, going to the grocery store as a project. I think of the same way as as conversations, and that everything is about conversations. Whereas you're saying, well, let's manage those conversations. What's your outcome? What's the values? And what's the timeline for having those conversations? I'm sure they a lot of overlap there. The the one thing I want to ask you about next is is this something I can't really get out of my mind. You described yourself as a one-woman wrecking crew, cleaning up messes and getting things done. Now that really paints a picture. What what makes that approach, being a one-woman wrecking crew, so effective? Um, you know, it was funny. Like, so where that came from is I was the person in the public sector that. So there there are a lot of initiatives that never make it. You know, in business or in the public sector as well. 
And I was the person that was like the fixer, you know, like if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction, you know, they bring in the wolf <laughs> to like clean things up. Yeah. And when it comes to projects, that's what I'm like, you know, I'm like, what is it that you want to have done? And we just, you know, it's effective because it's about coming to the simplest, most effective solution and going with that. And then all of the other smaller problems just seem to start to fall away. And so I have this like really strange skill that I'm told a lot of people don't have, which is being able to see uh, both the big picture and the details and navigating both kind of seamlessly. So I can see the path, you know, and if it, if you want to follow that path, that's probably the one that will get you to the finish line uh, quicker and on budget, um, you know, all of the things that people want. And I was able to do it again and again and again. Now that said, when I was in grad school, I learned a very particular the strategic project planning methodology. I learned how to do that there. And it's actually used in like companies like Sony, NASA, um, overseas a lot. So they use it. It's really good to, to have it at NASA where they don't know anything, right? It's just exploratory. And so I think that's why the method is so good when you know you want something, but you don't really know how you're going to get there. And I think that that's why it's, I've found a lot of success with it with entrepreneurs is Sometimes you don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but you know what outcome you want. And this really helps to build from the big picture down to the little details. So I've just done that throughout my career kind of over and over again and iterated on it and found a lot of success. And now I'm teaching other people how to like do that within their own companies. And you've had, I think, let's say a natural ability over the years you've identified to to see 10 to 15 steps down the line. And, and it sounds like that project management, the project problem solving process that you now can teach to other people. It's not just the innate ability that you can teach to others now what you probably were doing naturally, because that's the hard thing for naturals is to teach others. So what would be some of the first, maybe most important first principles that someone would do to, to so I know you can't teach the entire course on how to do that, I'm sure, no. but <laughs> <laughs> what would be the first couple steps or most important thing to think about when breaking a problem down from that big picture into the details? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good and and honestly, I'll say um, it was actually a, a supervisor who said, you know, you see further ahead than anybody else I've ever met. Um, we don't see what you see. So you have to help us catch up. And that was when I realized that I had this innate ability ability that was unusual and that was really helpful information to get because if you just think everybody is seeing what you're seeing, then you, it causes a lot of frustration when they're not and they don't seem to understand you. So um, from there, um, yeah, what I can do is help you understand sometimes it's mindset stuff, but if you're just looking at a project, it's really important to know exactly what it is that you're solving and what success looks like. And people don't always spend the time to really look at it that way. Or when they do, they're looking at maybe how it'll make my life easier, like as the business owner, mm -hmm. instead of what problem it is that you're solving for your customers, who it's going to take to help you do that. Um, and what are your customers' lives going to look like if they've solved, if you've solved that problem for them? And it's amazing because people are like, well, I already know, you know, and then we go through kind of some exercises to really dig deeper and they're like, okay, no, it wasn't really that thing. I thought that it was, it's actually this other thing. And then we can build the project around that. And that's how you find, you know, really the gold for like how the, how, you know, too many times people dive right into tasks and into like 
the how, and they work on all this minutia without solving for some of the bigger issues. Like, is this aligned with my mission? Am I going to be able to do what it takes to be consistent and working towards this? You know, what's the problem that I'm solving? And, and how will I know that, that I was successful? How am I going to measure this? How am I going to, you know, what, what, what feedback are they going to give me and how am I going to collect it so that I'm like, okay, the right track, you know? Um, but there are a lot of business owners who kind of skip all of that, all of those steps and just go right into doing. And that, that seems like it would lead you to putting out fires rather than re-examining why the fires are occurring in the first place. Absolutely. Or, you know, what I, what I say a lot on my own podcast is I want you to build and climb the right mountain. I don't want you to get to the top and go, wait, no, I really wanted that thing over there. Mm-hmm. I want you to have to be on track with what it is that you want ultimately in your business. So you have to plan out projects carefully. It doesn't mean like down to the, the small details up front, but it means you have to have enough in place that you have an idea about whether or not you're on the right track. I, I hear the, as you speak more and more, I, I definitely hear a lot of the more project management ideology coming into play, right? So what's your end outcome? <laughs> what's your vision and mission? What are the constraints you have from a pacing perspective, resource perspective, um, and also making sure that you're climbing up the right mountain? That's that's a huge thing. So I think a lot of those goes right to the heart of problem solving. But as you're saying, most importantly, make sure you're solving the right problem. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 80, 80% of solving a real problem is understanding what the real issue is and then focusing on the solutions from there. So what about when there's a bigger change, not just from a, a maybe maybe you would view this as a project. If there is a cultural change that needs to shift or we're adapting like we are in the, the COVID-19 pandemic that we're experiencing right now, what are some of the most important things for business leaders and business owners to consider when when pivoting and responding into these types of situations? Yeah. So I think that, you know, and it's so funny because I do come at things from a project management perspective, but when I talk to leaders, I frame it in a much different way from like a leadership perspective and about championing your initiatives. And one of the most important things, if you're experiencing like a sea change right now, like right now, if you're trying to pivot or if you have a big change initiative is, is around communication. So it's about listening, um, to what your customers are saying, listening, if you have a team listening to what your team is saying, building up some structure around how everybody can communicate with each other and making sure that people feel valued and heard. This is a reciprocal process uh, when you want to implement a change initiative. It doesn't mean you have to do everything that that people are telling you, um, but it does mean that you have to have at least a platform for listening. And especially you have a team big enough that people are actually executing on work. They can tell you what's really going on at the boots on the ground level. And as a leader of say a larger or a medium sized organization, you maybe don't have that knowledge. So some of the best information that you can get is from members of your team. So anytime you have any sort of change, it's important to communicate what, what, what you want to do, why you want to do it. Um, and then get feedback so that you can understand more broadly what the concerns are from within the organization Um, And then it's always good from the beginning to get feedback and reviews and things like that from your customers so that you have a really good sense of what's going on out there. 
And it sounds like some of that is not only coming from the project management perspective, but from a marketing perspective. You have a lot of experience in marketing and it's about messaging, messaging, messaging. Well, how do you know what to message if you don't know your employees, if you don't know your clients? So it's really the more data you have, the better you're able to make a decision. You might not act, as you said, on everything that you're getting, but if you don't have that information, then you're only doing it from your own imagination. Now, I want to kind of use that to kind of pivot into, <laughs> so logic is a big aspect of what leaders tend to rely on, but I know you also do a lot of conversations around intuition. How do you coach people to listen to intuition? Is there a limitation to <laughs> intuition? Um, how, how do you kind of balance that left brain, right brain, you know, straight from the gut kind of experience? Sure. I just wanted to go back to something that you said sure. um, with regard to the last question. So even if you don't do what people are saying, there's so much when people feel heard and valued, there is so much you get so much buy in from people when you do that. And so part of it is by listening and taking it in and then saying, I, I hear what you're saying. We're going to do it this way. And I also see your perspective like things like that go so far with your team. They'll run into the fire and work for you if they feel like you've at least heard them. So the the concept of communication, I just can't underscore that enough. It's not so that you're taking it in as a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's so that you're you're getting it and you're understanding it. It can't just be a checkbox. Right. You can't just say, yep, I've listened to you. Okay, now I'm going to make my decision, which I was going to make all along. Yeah. Yeah. And you were kind of inferring that, um, when you were kind of doing the synopsis and I'm like, but it's really kind of the heart of it, you know, and, and it's the same thing with your customers. Um, the research around marketing, for example, is that, you know, marketers, which can also include like business leaders and small business leaders think that they're doing a great job. Like over 50% of the time, their customers only think they're doing a good job 18% of the time. So there is a large disconnect. So the more that you can communicate and listen, the more on point you'll be <laughs> when you are trying to market and actually sell what it is that's a result of this big change. Now, that's kind of the thing. You can take the data and you can take the logic, but there also has to be some intuition. Like if you think about when you came up with your business mission and vision, you know, a lot of those things, um, especially in the beginning before you had a big team or anything, you know, those things are, are kind of soul work that comes on from the inside, right? That's a more intuitive thing. This is what I want. This is what I want for my business. And so when we talk about marrying together that, that logic and that intuition, sometimes it's about, you know, okay, so when we get back to the mission and the vision, like you have that feeling inside of you that guides you on like what it is that you really want to do, but the data might be telling you something different. And sometimes you have to reconcile those two things. You can't just go all in on one or the other. You have to have some sort of consideration of both because one of the reasons you end up climbing the wrong mountain is if you completely disregard your intuition, eventually you'll get bored if you're over here doing something else with the data, um, you know, or you'll sell or, you know, there's a lot of outcomes that can happen. If you go completely with your intuition and, and completely discount data, then, you know, you might, you might not be making any money <laughs> because it means you're not listening to the data that's telling you and guiding you for different ways that you can fulfill what your intuition is telling you. So it is very much 
both. You know, you have to listen to your heart and your mind, and that's how you can you really further things. I can see the fact that if, if someone, an entrepreneur or business owner is following intuition, that they might not make any money because they're not using the logic part. <laughs> Help me understand the other part. If you're just looking at the data, that have you have you seen people getting bored, and, and what exactly is going on there? Yeah, there's a lot of different things that can happen. So yeah, I've seen people get bored if they're, um, you know, their their wants and their desires are elsewhere, you know, and they're doing something based on based on logic. Every person is different, you know. But oftentimes, if you're just looking at data, sometimes you don't remember to update your goals, or you don't remember to, you know, keep keep on driving towards something higher. You kind of reach that plateau, which is just good enough because it's like, eh you know, cause the passion is gone, you know, passion tends to come from a different place than data. I mean, I'm a nerd, so like, I kind of, <laughs> I think data sexy, but you know, I mean, I, I, I think though that, that it can go either way. And I've certainly met a lot of business owners who, um, you know, they're just looking at the raw data and then they're like, one day they realize that they've been flat on their revenue for a long time and they just kind of weren't, paying attention to everything. And I think if you have like a passion and something that is really on purpose and really on mission, you're looking at everything because you want to maximize on all cylinders. And again, it's that like, you know, heart and head, you know, you have to kind of have both involved in this, in this process. Cause we are made up of both. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that, that would, as I heard that, I was like, what does that really look like? And, and it, yeah, if there's no inspiration, you know, inspiratu, in spirit, if your spirit isn't there, it's going to flatten out yeah. because you're not putting energy in it and energy in gets energy out. So that makes sense. What do you see as, as a project manager involved in, you know, really all aspects, mindset, the mechanics of leadership as well? What do you see as some of the common obstacles that leaders face as they move from that idea from the vision down into the actionable goals and implementation? What are some of the bigger obstacles they encounter along the way? I would say that one of the biggest obstacles, and I say this as someone who's worked on um, very large projects um, with multiple um, chefs in the kitchen, shall we say, sure. lots of champions. Uh, one of the com most common things for regardless of how your business is, is not allowing enough time. So time is something that people get stuck in their head that, you know, this has to be done by this day, whatever, you know, and, and we get that oftentimes, and I do it too. We get that oftentimes in our head before we've actually talked to anyone else who would be involved in the actual doing of the project, whether it's, um, employees or contractors or a mixture of both, or if you have people who are working in technical areas that you don't really understand, it's a big shift for people sometimes to let go of this pre predefined definition of how long something should take um, when they're faced with the realities of how long that it's actually going to take. So it's a common obstacle that people are like, well, just do it, just get it done. You can do that, but you're always going to give up something on the other end. It's either going to cost you more or the quality isn't going to be as good or both. So it's really about like the shift into like understanding trade-offs at a deeper level, understanding cost at a deeper level. That's one of the biggest first things um, that often oftentimes comes up regardless of how much confidence a leader actually has. The other part is around that confidence of like having people who know more than you, 
doing things and having that level of trust that they can, they're competent, they can do what it is that you're asking them to do. Um, again, having good communication, that's one of the reasons why it's so important is because then it's a two-way street and you can be asking those questions and, you know, hopefully ahead of time, you're interviewing people to make sure that you're working with people who you communicate well with so that you can ask these questions, get answers that you're satisfied with, you know, maybe not exactly what they're saying, but like they've heard you, they're, they're replying, you know, there are a lot of people who don't communicate well or, or people who aren't on the same page. So it's really important to have, you know, all of these, these ideas standing as a champion, as somebody in your own power and having the confidence to be like, no, I don't like the way that this is going. This is not how I see it. These are all kind of, they all kind of blend together, but, you know, don't have unreasonable expectations in terms of time. That's a big thing that can really hang a project up. Actually, if you're fighting about a timeline, you're just wasting time, you know, um, have trust in the people that you've hired to help you and believe them when they tell you how long it's going to be, but then also have the confidence to stand up for your vision and what it is that you know is right. I love the, the dichotomies that are appearing in our conversation, right? So lot, the head and the heart, the logic and the intuition, and also get the data about reasonable time frame. But also if you think you can be done earlier that you can push a little bit is what I'm hearing inside of that too. Yeah. yeah. But you can't, you won't know when to push unless you get the accurate information from the experts, not just coming from the boardroom, but from actually the field and the experts mm -hmm. and having that trust. Right. Because if it really takes six months for a project and you give them a year, then that's not productive. But if you give them a month, then that's not going to be productive either. And, and that's not even feasible, let alone the trade-offs you identified as well. Right. So it goes back to the data, get the information, build the team, build that communication, ask the questions. And where does, in addition to the data, where does the mindset come in? What are some of the things that you recommend in addition to expanding your awareness to your stakeholders, employees, and customers? What else should leaders be doing in their mindsets to help facilitate open and honest communication and, and have the real conversations that we need to in our organizations? Sure. I think the one thing that is the most important is we need to know ourselves as leaders. That level of self-awareness where we can... And, and emotional intelligence, it's both, so that we know our blind spots and we can overcome them or have somebody else cover them for us um, and understand what our strengths and weaknesses are so that we can fill those and have those honest conversations. And then it translates into being able to talk about it in a way that doesn't deposition yourself. So I'm not suggesting you go in and say, oh, shucks, you know, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, it's about like standing in what it is that you're good at and then making sure that you have your bases covered. And sometimes that means that you need to get to know yourself a little bit better. Uh, one of the things that I do with a lot of people is I have a, a worksheet for like a listening journal so that they can work through their own listening style. And then they understand more at a deeper level about how they communicate so that they can get over um, maybe some of the blocking if they feel like people aren't listening to them. Um, you know, there's also working on some things around like gratitude or humor in the workplace, things like that, that really help to ground people more in, in what is actually going on and what is my place in it. Um, instead of just assuming that everything is outside of us, we are, 
Um, we would do a lot of work around uh, the mindset of, of where we are in this big landscape of our own business. So a lot of the more introspective work, know thyself, know where you're coming from, to know what you know and what you don't know. Because you said you don't walk in like you don't know anything because that can totally deposition yourself. But you don't also want to pretend that you know something that you don't because that can be right. – and that actually reduces trust and it's inauthentic and all the problems that we can see are connected to that. And also communication skills, seeking to know what other people know around you as well. What are are there any other things you recommend for your leaders, in addition to self awareness, to continue to grow? Like, what are some areas that most leaders you think in your work need to continue to focus on to enhance their skills? Oh wow, that's interesting. So, um, <laughs> not always the most popular thing because people don't like to sit still. But I really think that most leaders need to spend. Uh, more time disconnected from all of their devices, um, disconnected from email, everything, so that they have just some quiet time in the morning, either for meditation or journaling or both, um, and creating space, like create space so that you can, so that you can learn, so that you can hear what's really going on within yourself. So it's not just this deep learning and deep, you know, self-awareness of strengths and weaknesses. It's also you know, creating space in your heart and in your mind so that you can be calm and face the day with a different level of resolve than maybe you have if you get up and hustle out of the house and read stressful news and social media and whatever else and emails. Um, make that space to set a tone for the day uh, so that you can begin the day um, feeling centered and grounded and and then facing it with a different a different energy than oftentimes we do when we just roll out of bed and start doing stuff. So I have journal exercises and things like that around the beginning of your day and the end of your day. So you're kind of at least bookmarking the day um, in a different way and thinking about things a little bit differently. So sharpening yourself as a tool, getting calm and centered and balanced. And it sounds like I imagine that's something that you do on a regular basis as well. What are you currently focusing on to enhance yourself? Are there any books or things that you're doing that's that's helping you to to continue to grow and sharpen your skills as well? Oh wow! Um, well, I'm an avid reader. Um, I like a lot of. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Um, <laughs> I'm working on a lot of different things all at the same time. So one of the things that I work on is you know coming up with that like daily formula, um, and that's kind of what what I'm talking about is like a daily formula for like what you do. Um, I'm constantly like tweaking that and coming up with my own daily formula. Some people, it doesn't work best in the morning. Some people it's a little bit later. Um, but yeah, like some sort of morning formula. Um, I've been reading a lot of different books about leadership and strategy <laughs> lately. I've been getting a little heady, but a couple of my favorite books that have really kind of changed the way I look at work are by an author named Cal Newport. Um, and he, he writes about deep work and digital minimalism. Uh, he's a computer scientist professor and he wrote both digital minimalism and deep work to talk about the need that we all have to clear the decks of all the digital devices, which I've always found fascinating coming from a computer scientist. Um, and at the same time, it's not lost on me that Bill Gates and Steve Jobs didn't let their kids have like cell phones and stuff for a long time. So, um, it's all very consistent. Um, but he goes into how we can all begin to carve out time, 
like really serious time for doing really deep work and deep thinking. And so what a lot of the tips and tricks that I work with people on are getting you to that state where you can do some deep work because most of the time people spend way too much time in the management of tasks and not enough time in the actual leadership and visioning um, that it takes to really move mountains in your own business. And so part of like the starting point of making some quiet time is that you're working your muscles so that you can be away from all of your devices and actually be listening at a different level and working on key projects that will actually move things a lot forward so that people are actually working on their business and not just in it. Excellent. Is there anything else that you think that you'd like to share with our listeners about uh, leadership, marketing, project manager, or any things that you're interested in that they need to know? Wow. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, I would say that when it comes to marketing, there are a lot of things that you can do to build a really strong foundation before you start worrying too much about you know, paid services and sales funnels if you're just starting your business. So um, pay attention to you know having having everything in alignment in your digital house as well. You know, don't spend too much time worrying about things like social media before you've got like a solid website foundation that clearly communicates what you do, clearly tells people how they can reach you and giving people something to do on your website. Remember it's, you know, it's a roadmap, not a treasure map. So make sure people understand everything about you uh, before you start pushing out things into other mediums. Can you share one more little detail about roadmap versus treasure map? What what you mean by that? Yeah, roadmap versus a treasure map. Well, a treasure map means um, you're kind of going on a scavenger hunt. You know, I'm thinking of it more of a scavenger hunt where, you know, it's a treasure map and it's like the secret treasure. And if you just keep digging and digging, you're going to get to it, you know, um, as opposed to a roadmap, which is here I am. This is what I do. Click this button to learn more. <laughs> And then you learn more <laughs> and it's very easy or here's my logo and here's a phone number if you want to call me or if you want to quote or if you want to bid or, you know, anything. Um, too many times we, we just make it too hard. Like we've got less, way less than 10 seconds to make an impression and too many people make it so that you have to click all over the dang place before you, <laughs> before you know what somebody's even offering. And most people get kind of bored with that. And I would love to say that if you want to see a good example of marketing, check out Jen's website. It's awesome. In fact, what's my next question is because it's amazing. Her story, the marketing, it is dialed in. Like I, I look at it and I feel sheepish. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like she knows what she's doing from a communication perspective. It's really awesome. So in fact, on that note, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and to stay connected? Gosh, thank you. I'm blushing. It took a long time to get there, though. So that's the thing. Like, it's an iterative process. Um, and but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, my website is jenmcfarland.com. Um, you can also find me on wow, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I also have my weekly podcast, which is Women Conquer Business. And, uh, you know, like a lot of things, it's not just for women, it's for everybody. Um, but you know, I'm a woman, so I get to call it what I want. <laughs> Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'll put the links for all of Jen's stuff in the show notes as well. Jen, thank you so much for being here. It's been an honor and a privilege and hope to talk again. Yeah, thank you so much. To connect with Jen, simply go to her website, www.jenmcfarland.com. You can find her on Twitter and Facebook under Jen S. McFarland. And be sure to check out her podcast, Women Conquer Business. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoy the show, 
please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. If you have a question or a comment, please send an email to john at keyconvo.com. And if you haven't already, you can connect with me on Twitter at keyconvo and on LinkedIn under John Ryan Training.